0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of Saint Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Luke 21 Radio. Today we're in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 19 to 22 and our topic today is the Spirit's fire, and prophecy. Let me read those four verses. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophesying, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And again, that's First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. I'd like to read those same verses in the New International Version, just an alternative uh, translation, just to get the sense of this passage. It reads, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Just to start off, I need to mention that there are two fatal spiritual diseases capable of ruining any Christian's life. Disease number one is a lukewarm heart, and disease number two is a cold heart. Jesus talks about cold hearts in Matthew 24, warning, he said this, because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. So I think most of you listening to this broadcast would agree that wickedness is multiplying. So Jesus is warning to us in the church, Jesus warns most men's love will grow cold, okay? We're going to be talking about a way to keep that from growing cold today. But the second spiritual disease is a lukewarm heart, and this is Jesus speaking to a Catholic church in the first century, the church of Laodicea, and how do I know it's a Catholic church? Because that was the only church that was present in the first century. In Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 15, Jesus speaking, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot, would that you were cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. And not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, I could be a prophet and compare this to the church in the United States today because we are rich and prosperous just like the church of Laodicea. But if I did that, you would turn the radio off because people don't like to hear prophetic messages. Everybody thinks the book of Revelation is this big crystal ball predicting things that we can't ever know. You want to know what the book of Revelation is? It's a prophecy, and it's a prophetic shock to lukewarm Catholics in the first century church of Laodicea. They were cooling off, and prophecy is a way to shock believers back, having the Spirit's fire to keeping them aglow with the Lord. So, the Spirit's fire, especially with the gift of prophecy, is a prime way to keep the faith alive and vibrant in the hearts of Christians. In the New Covenant, which ever since the first century we are in, okay, the gift of prophecy is widespread. Listen to our first pope in his first sermon in the day of Pentecost, he says this, Acts 2, In the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. In other words, there's not going to be a very limited circle of prophets, but this is going to be a widespread gift that even... Sons and daughters would be doing this. Oh, come on. You can't really expect me to believe that. Well, if you read a little further on in the same book in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, it says, We entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. And it says in verse 9, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And since the Jews in that day generally married... uh, fairly young age, and these were Jewish Christians, well, we can expect that these were fairly young daughters of Philip who were prophesying. So this was very widespread in the church, and there's a danger. Probably there was a danger in the church of Thessalonica because there were some false prophecies probably going on. So Paul writes to them and says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophesy; You need that. But he says, test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Now, I need to tell you something that uh, I did really wrong. I have personally, grievously violated St. Paul's admonition in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen to 20 I have uh, quenched the Spirit, and I have despised prophesy. And I want you to know, I repented of my actions and my words, but let me tell you how I fell into that pit of quenching the Spirit's flame, and I'm sharing this with you so you don't repeat my mistake. For the first decade of my young adult Christian life, I traveled in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, and I'm not here to bash all that because to this day, I have a deep and profound gratitude for many of my life-changing encounters when I was a member of those groups. I'm just gonna give you um, one example. At my Assemblies of God college, I was studying theology and scripture, and one of my professors, had, in my estimation, one of those perfect combinations of both head and heart. In fact, he wasn't the only professor at my Assembly of God college who modeled that. This particular professor had a Harvard PhD in New Testament, which wasn't shabby. But what really impressed us, we got the word out. Our Greek class used to be one of the first classes early in the morning. But even earlier in that, we discovered that He was in his office, in his suit, on his knees with an open Greek New Testament, praying to God from the Gospels, reading from the Greek New Testament. So when I finished college, this was my second try at college. I did pretty well at my second try. I didn't do too well at my first try. But I was told by my faculty advisor that I could go anywhere in the world to study theology or scripture that I wanted to. I could just pick the university or seminary of my choice. And you know, when it came to applying to seminaries, I only applied to one. I only looked at one. I only wanted to go to one. Why was that? Because of that professor who had head and heart connected. I had seen plenty of big heads who had what I would call (laughs) a dead faith, But uh, a man with a Harvard Ph.D. in New Testament who could pray from that Greek New Testament on his knees, I wanted to be like him. And that's why I picked Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. So I'm not saying uh, at all that uh, I'm trying to bash that background. Okay, that was the good part. Now the not so good part. Stemming from my experiences in Charismatic and Pentecostal churches were some of the worst experiences of my life. The very worst was a church split in a Charismatic church in which I was an associate pastor. Here were people who were claiming to have this special gift of tongues from God and yet were using their tongues in the most reprehensible way to tear other Christians apart. It was horrible. But even worse, or I would say on level with that, I've encountered some of the wackiest preachers, healers, personal prophecies, stuff that was just flat-out nuts. (laughs) So, what is the easiest way to deal with the excesses of the prophetic and charismatic gifts? There were probably false prophecies going on in the Church of Thessalonica. What's the easiest way to deal with it? Just flip to the opposite extreme. And that's precisely what I did. I adopted what's called a cessationist theory. And that's the theory that says the charismatic gifts ceased with the death of the last apostle. And it's subject for another broadcast. Just let me summarize for you. And I've looked into this exceedingly carefully That notion that it all ceases with the death of the last apostle is without foundation historically, theologically, or scripturally. It's flat out wrong. But I adopted it in reaction to the wacko prophecies and the actions of some of the extreme Pentecostals. I became a Presbyterian, in fact, a radically anti-charismatic Presbyterian, and Presbyterians like to emphasize everything needs to be done with decency and in order. We kept repeating that, decency and in order. And yet one of the Protestant theologians that I greatly admired, Dr. J.I. Packer, said, everything decently and in order could remind one of a graveyard. You know, I'm convinced that one of the most difficult things for any Christian to do is to maintain a sense of balance. And that's what St. Paul is asking for in 1 Thessalonians 5:19 and 20. Don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophesying, but test everything, hold fast to the good, abstain from the evil. See, that balance is a lot harder than simply... Accepting anything you read, uh, these prophecies going around the internet or somebody on TV, and just dishing it all up. If you're a Protestant, you have your favorite teacher who just says about anything without historical context, and there's plenty of Catholics doing the same thing, or to maintain that balance that St. Paul is calling for. We're going to devote a couple of broadcasts to this because this is really important, how we approach the whole subject of the gift of prophecy, which is designed by God to keep us on fire with the Spirit in the midst of a world that's growing cold in the faith. But I'd like to close with a paragraph from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 696, and it talks about fire. And that's why I like that second translation today, do not put out the Spirit's fire. The Catechism says fire symbolizes the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions. John the Baptist proclaims Christ as the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In the form of tongues as of fire, the Holy Spirit rests on the disciples on the morning of Pentecost and fills them with himself. The spiritual tradition has retained, not ceased, has retained this symbolism of fire as one of the most expressive images of the Holy Spirit's actions. And then this paragraph 696 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church closes with these words, Do not quench the Spirit, citing 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 16 of Luke 21 Radio as we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Join us next time. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.